Don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Doug Tyrrell History and Comment. Hello, friends. I'm Doug Tyrrell. This is History and Comment for Thursday, the 9th of November, 2023. It's been a very busy week. The exceptionally nice weather has kept me outside trying to finish outdoor things. I want to talk about music and styles, but first, some history. The American Civil War and all of the related skirmishes were a really nasty affair, some of which were illegal. There are those that condemn Lincoln for some of his actions in wartime. While the war officially started in April of 1861, it had been simmering for the decade prior. On this day in 1851, marshals from Kentucky crossed the Ohio River to Jeffersonville, Indiana, and abduct an abolitionist minister, take him back to Kentucky to stand trial for helping a slave escape. Major issues there with states' rights. It's always neat to cross the Ohio, look for barge traffic, and admire the size of the river. While the Mississippi gets a lot of credit as a large river, the Ohio has a higher flow than the Mississippi when they meet at Cairo, Illinois. Speaking of the Civil War, it's again musical general's time in 1862. McClellan is out for the second time, and Ambrose Burnside is put in charge. This will not be the last we hear from General McClellan. He so disliked Lincoln and his handling of the war that he ran for president two years later. He won only three states, Kentucky, Delaware, and his native New Jersey. Lincoln won the rest of the states still in the Union at the time. We have lost sight of how rare travel was just a century ago. In 1906, President Theodore Roosevelt is the first sitting president to travel outside of the country. The purpose was to inspect the progress on the Panama Canal. The proverbial Witch of November strikes the Great Lakes in 1913, destroying 19 ships. We will have more on the Great Lakes tomorrow. The Balfour Declaration is published in the British newspaper The Times in 1917. This is significant, folks. This was still during World War I. Britain, France, and to a lesser degree the U.S. were fighting Germany and the Axis powers that included the Ottoman Empire. The Ottomans controlled the eastern Mediterranean shore, which had a minority population of Jews. The declaration from the British government stated there should be a homeland for the Jews. The area around Jerusalem was the most logical, as they have inhabited that area for millennia. Robert McNamara was 42 years old, a World War II veteran, and graduate of Harvard Business School. He and a handful of younger folks have been brought on to Ford Motor to help lead the company with youthful ideas and newer organization skills. On this day in 1960, he's appointed president of the company, the first that was not part of the Ford family. It would seem like a dream job, but it's not what McNamara is known for. He steps down one month later to become secretary of defense in the Kennedy administration. He will be pivotal in the Cuban Missile Crisis and the Vietnam War. The first Saturn V rocket is launched in 1967, the most powerful rocket built to that time, it will be critical to the Apollo program to land man on the moon. 1970, the Supreme Court decides against hearing a case out of Massachusetts. 
the state wanted to grant its citizens the right to refuse military service in an undeclared war. We almost had a calamity in 1979. Computers at NORAD detect what is first thought to be a massive Soviet nuclear strike. After a manual recheck of data, the alert is canceled. There were a lot of folks looking at some minute details in that period, and maybe so today. I crossed paths with a guy years ago that had spent time in this wing of the spook world, and he had a lot of stories that often ended with him counting ceiling tiles. That's a phrase meaning the conversation had crossed into details he could no longer talk about. One story was about a single blip on a radar system. It took them some time to figure out that as the dish rotated one pulse months apart, two dishes were precisely pointed at each other, causing an anomaly. Capital punishment is completely abolished in the United Kingdom in 1998. This is a very difficult subject. Most folks have difficulty putting an animal down when they are suffering. Yet the Bible does allow for capital punishment. Biblical scholars seem to agree that few, if any, rebellious children were stoned for youthful rebellion. But the concept is quite clear that human life is so sacred that the penalty for willful murder should be the forfeiture of the criminal's own life. This still presents a host of issues and cases where people have been convicted unjustly. We labor over the issue as we should. It's not trivial. Yet the factions that yell the loudest about capital punishment also advocate for unfettered abortion. The two positions are illogical. The only difference is the unborn do not have a voice, a backstory, or a face to plaster across the media. The criminal is human, while the unborn have been denied that status. We argue that the criminal did not have a sufficient environment while we robbed the unborn of theirs. We know exactly when life begins, and that baby, albeit a single cell, is unique and completely human. They need nothing but time and nourishment and a proper environment to grow. The magic is the moment when the egg and sperm unite. This is observable and known as the zinc spark for the flash of energy given off. There really is little special about the moment of birth in terms of humanity. The Firefox browser is released in 2004 as an independent to counter Microsoft's Internet Explorer. For the first time, it's set at the top of preferred applications, only to be displaced by Google Chrome. Firefox was competitive in the early years, but Google had more revenue and resources to devote to development. Firefox was developed by the Mozilla Foundation, which still supports the program, along with other applications. Their mail system, known as Thunderbird, is quite useful. The Country Music Association Awards are the talk this morning. I've not been closely in touch with that realm for most of four decades. It may be the gray hair, but I find most of the newer acts inferior to older ones a generation ago. I also attended a Christian music concert this past weekend, maybe the first one I've been to in the same four decades. There are actually some common threads. Jelly Roll got a lot of attention at the CMAs. I'm still not impressed. For the same reason, I'm not a fan of Darius Rucker. I do not see their roots as country. After their popular career has faded, let's see if we can be country. Now, in all fairness and thought, what is country can be debated at great length. 
I would point out that early rock rubbed elbows with country, and we got rockabilly. Charlie Daniels' early work was more southern rock. The Eagles, Graham Parsons, John Denver, and a long list of others were in their prime considered rock or pop, but got little if any country play. Yet today, those songs seem almost traditional country. Then there is the folk scene with the likes of Dylan and others. The same way. It was not country, but seems to fit that moniker today. I think the definition has to include a few elements. Some deep music students might talk about chord progression and keys as a defining point, but on a practical level, I think it must be workable with acoustic instruments. The lyrics have to carry the melody, not the reverse, a rural theme, and an absence of a pounding rhythm section. I think if we have to look back at the roots, country music originated on front porches Saturday afternoons and evenings across rural America. It's extremely closely related to church music. I found it quite amusing that a friend claims Jelly Roll's speech reminded her of a Pentecostal preacher. Now, in fact, I doubt she's ever heard a Pentecostal preacher in person. But it is a fact that a large portion of country music has roots in gospel. This might be the single defining point. Nearly every traditional country artist at some point reflected back on gospel music. Hank Williams' stellar but short career could be called a drunken stupor, yet he penned two gospel songs that got traction. I Saw the Light is nearly a classic. I'd Rather Be in a Deep Dark Grave is morbid, but displays a sense of repentance, or at the very least, remorse. Elvis, the king of rock and roll, ended tragically, yet he could never get far from his church roots. The reference to Pentecostal preachers is quite interesting. I've never seen an exhaustive list, but the Pentecostal churches, congregational singing, and other churches back in the day have led to a number of secular careers. Elvis, Jerry Lee Lewis, Mickey Gilley, Alabama, and Charlie Daniels are the first to come to mind. Which brings me to the concert this weekend. It was interesting. I well-known... There are three versions of any song, the radio version, the album version, and the concert version. It was well-produced, and produced it was. I was amused that the opening theme was old-time revival tent meetings, yet the two were worlds apart. For the exact same reason, much of country is not country. No amount of beat, volume, light, smoke, nor a fleet of semis will bring the same response as something personal and from the heart. The spectacle will draw, but it has to reach the heart and become personal. Even the small-town tent revivals of the 40s and 50s were a spectacle, and a grand one at that for the period. Still, they brought a spirit that made it personal. The concert was good entertainment, but there was no worship. I'm not against good entertainment, but it was not an old-time church service. That pointed folks to worship God in a personal matter. Today, most churches cannot draw flies, and the very few that do often try to keep things respectable. I think maybe the most scary passage of Scripture admonishes against those that have a form of godliness but deny the power therein. Be it country or gospel, it has to get down on a personal level and come from the heart. That's History and Comment for the 9th day of November. I'm Doug Tyrrell. Now... 
go do something worth remembering.